as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, your winners and new Stanley Cup champions, the Colorado Avalanche. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new Stanley Cup champion. We're going to recap it all on this week's edition, the championship edition of the Top Pair Podcast. I'm your host. It is Eric Weinstein with me, as always, hailing from Charlotte, North Carolina, Nick Maxwell. Nick, what a season we had. This 21-22 season, what a year. I mean, you talk about two wagon of a teams, right? Just absolutely loaded. I think uh, as much as we wanted seven games, I still think the right team won. But congrats to the Colorado Avalanche. Congrats to Nathan McKinnon, who has finally won some shit in this league after his <laughs> last year's press conference, which was top five, one of my top five moments from all of last year. Yeah, but we're going to get all into that on this week's edition. But before we do that, I'm going to quickly – Take care of some housekeeping where you can find us. I'm going to try to break my record. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Amazon Music, CastBox, Podcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. I said Spotify twice, so I'm not going to break my my record. Um, Sound SoundCloud and Audio Boom as well. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TopPair underscore pod. That is at TopPair underscore pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein. Two C's, two N's. Nikki, wrap it up. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at maxwell one or on Instagram at Nick J Maxwell. I jinxed myself because I said I was going to try to break the record, and here I am, maybe having one of my worst showings. So anyway, back to the the reason you're listening: the Colorado Avalanche defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning two to one in Game Six. They win the series four games to two. A dramatic six games. The Colorado Avalanche. You can't take anything away from this team. After years of heartbreak, five years after having 48 points in their entire season, the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. Kale McCarr was your Conn Smythe winner. You know, who could have seen that coming? 27 minutes per game, 29 points in 20 playoff games, 8 goals, 21 assists. He was excellent. Nathan McKinnon, a goal and an assist. He was kind of quiet early in the in the series and was getting a lot, little bit of shit for it. You know, has has a goal and an assist in the game in the decisive game with Arturi Lekkinen. What a pickup by Joe Sakic. Arturi Lekkinen gets the Stanley Cup game-winning goal. Nick, this team was a wagon from the beginning of the season to now. After all the heartbreak, after all the early exits, after Nathan McKinnon, like you said, saying he hasn't won shit in this league. Nathan McKinnon has won a little shit, as you put it. He is finally a Stanley Cup champion. Um, the, the the ceremony was amazing. Um, seeing Eric Johnson being the first guy to get the cup after Gabe Landeskog was awesome. Well deserved. The longest the longest tenured uh, Colorado Avalanche. Nick, this was just from top to bottom. There's so many guys on this team. You feel they deserved it. Going from Johnson, you know Andrew Cogliano, over 1,100 games in the NHL. Finally gets the Stanley Cup. Jack Johnson, who got a lot of shit over a lot of years for a lot of different teams, he gets to hold the Stanley Cup. Nazem Kadri missed 18 games after breaking, no, sorry, 18 days after breaking his thumb. He played in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, the list goes on. There's so many well deserving guys on this team who finally got to hoist the Stanley Cup. 
Yeah, I, and I mean, you talk about the way that he built this team through the draft and through free agencies and just so many key pieces, too. I mean, talk about, obviously, we'll get to Tampa's injuries, but obviously the depth of this team was tested. I mean, you have just guys who just really managed to hang around the league, like Darren Helm, uh, Jack Johnson, Brian Murray, who were, again, key depth pieces and had their moments going around through this league. And it was just one of those things where we've been talking about it for the last, like, two, three years where – Colorado, this is the team to beat. This is the team to beat. And Jared Bednar, who did it just the hardest way possible, talking about coming up through the East Coast League and, you know, with the Charles, the South Carolina Stingrays, I think, was the team. Yep. You know, and he, I loved it on the broadcast. They talked about when he was with his wife, when he first met his wife, of saying, you know, I have a dream of, of being an NHL coach, of winning the Stanley Cup, and I can't necessarily do it here. It's going to take a lot for me. And, then he's sharing the stories of him going all the way to British Columbia and leaving his family behind. It's just, you really, I really feel like this series more than the last few years, even with things like the pandemic and the bubble, you really saw the sacrifices that these guys have to go through, not only with their own bodies, but with their families and whatnot to get to the top of the mountain and get to where they ultimately want to be. Yep. And Jared Bednar, no, I mean, this is an unbelievable stat. The first head coach ever to win an ECL, AHL, and NHL championship. That is an unbelievable trophy case that Jared Bednar has. Again, a guy who was coaching the team when they were in, like, whatever's below the basement. They were awful his first year when Patrick Waugh just, you know, took his ball and went home. You know, there's an amazing picture of Eric Johnson. He wakes up in his hotel room with the Stanley Cup. I mean, you could tell these guys, after all, everything they've been through, you know, it, this this one really this one really meant a lot. You know, Nazem Kadri, the cast it off by the the Maple Leafs. You know, he had the you know the multiple well documented suspensions that he had to go through in the playoffs. He had that great great quote where he said, "Anybody who thinks I'm a playoff liability, they can kiss my ass." I believe that's exactly how he said it. I could be paraphrasing, but. I mean, nope, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pro- probably it's it's more more maybe a couple words or two off, but that's basically what he said. Um, just all these guys. I mean, from top to bottom. I mean, Sam Gerrard with his broken chest, they even got to you know walk with the cup. I mean, just an amazing team. Bowen Byron became a man in front of our very eyes. Sometimes the best trades are the ones you don't make, and they didn't want to give him up for Claude Giroux, and it pays off because he plays a big role. In you know, in this entire playoff run, this one hurts me to say the Devon Taves trade. You know, getting him for a couple of draft picks from Lou Lamarillo, and you know he's on he's on the pair with Kale McCarr, and they're one of the best pairs in you know best pairs in the NHL. I mean, an an unbelievable team, um, well deserved. You knew it was coming; it was just a matter of when. And they finally get over the hump, and they defeat the two time. Stanley Cup champion, two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I thought Darcy Kemper was was really good. You know, he made that big save on Kucherov late with the goalie pulled. You know, Kucherov got that one-timer off, and he moved from, I think it was left to right to left, and, you know, he makes the save. I mean, you don't know what, that goes in, all of a sudden, you know, I think there was like a minute left in regulation at that save. That, that saved the game for them, you know, and... You know, that's the reason that, you know, they're able to, you know, they were able to say that they're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. I, I just think, too, like, you look at how this team's built. Yes, they have a lot of key pieces missing, but 
looking obviously in their prospect pool and their depth chart, they have more pieces coming. I think this could be maybe the new Tampa where teams say, all right, I'm going to take less money because I want to win here and I love the culture here and I want to play for a guy like Jared Bednar and I want to play in, a, in an organization that's led by Joe Sackick and we know how good we can be. And, you know, obviously you saw how big, how awesome that barn is at rocking it in terms of obviously in the streets too when after the game and, so I think this is one. This could be the start of where we talked about one dynasty potentially. I don't know if you call it a dynasty with two cups, but like one almost great dynasty core coming to. A, I'll say a pause because I obviously think they're going to be back. But obviously, I mean, this could easily be the Stanley Cup matchup for the next three, four years easily. Yeah, I mean, especially. If, I mean, we'll get to Tampa. I mean, but there's a lot of guys that are locked up for a while there, but. You know, going back to the Avalanche, there's, it's I just keep going back to those guys that were on the team when they were awful. You know, your Eric Johnsons of the world. Gabe Landeskog was a what was he a twenty year old captain or a nineteen year old captain? Like he was a baby, and they said you're the guy. And to see him after you know he's been the captain for a decade now, to see him you know hoist the cup after everything was just just so cool, man. To see guys stick it out and stick it out and stick it out. You know, you bring in guys, you lose guys that you you know you don't necessarily want to lose to bring in the guys to help you win. So, um, just so awesome. And you know, Joe Sackick. A lot of guys were. I remember back when the whole Duchesne saga was going, the Matt Duchesne saga was going on there. People were, give, were giving Joe Sackick shit. They were like, "Why is this?" I guy, was one of them. Yeah, I you and me both, because I wanted Matt Duchesne. He was saying like, "What is this guy doing? Like, what who? What does he expect to get?" And then you know what he got? The pick that turned into Kale McCarr. So you wait. And Sam Gerrard. And Sam Gerrard. You wait, you wait, and you wait. And guess what? I was listening to Spittin' Chicklets today, and Ryan Whitney said he was the fourth pick in the draft, Kale McCarr. That's like the best draft pick ever. You know, got like Nolan Patrick goes second. You didn't expect to see what happens. You didn't expect to see that. Miro Haskinen's good. I mean, he can anchor a defense, but he's not Kale McCarr. And you have this guy, he's won, the only accolade he's missing is the Hart Trophy, and that could be coming. Like, this guy is far and away, I think he's the best defenseman in the league. He, the Norris was well-deserved, the Conn Smythe was well-deserved, and he's 23. He's 23. So, they, this this team, it's still, it's not an old team. It's not, they're a veteran team, but their guys are still in their 20s. The, the key guys, maybe Landeskog might be 30, but he's just 30 if he is. So this team, this is just the start of something. I think if you gave me the odds over under two and a half cups for this core, I think I'm smashing the over. Yeah, I'm probably the same way. I just think for them it's just going to be continuing to revamp their bottom six and their their depth on their back end and then obviously finding a long-term answer in the net if if they do in fact lose Kemper. But I think it's, it's crazy to me. You talked about how far, like, how bad they were. And, yes, injuries played a big part of that. But, like, for context, like, when the Tankathon year was happening, because this was that same year where the Sabres and um, who else was it? Edmonton, obviously, were in the let's tank for the Mick Eichel draft, right? I think Arizona. Arizona, too, I think. Yeah. Probably. And then, like, somehow, you know, I'm trying to compare years is what I'm saying is that the Sabres in that year, which had the worst record in the league, um, still finished with more points than the Avs did in their first year. The only difference is like in the Avs luck, they also finished, I think, 
third or something in that draft year, and the Sabres still finished second. So it's just it's just nuts how like you talk about building it from the ground up and you know building a culture and a system. And I think culture is probably a word that's just starting to get overused now in sports, but. Building a sense of belief in yourself. I mean, if I was Jared Bednar, I'd be really thinking about that. I just bite off a lot more than I can chew. And realistically, Joe Sackick had every excuse in the world to replace him after that first year. And that's still something that will always stand out to me. You know, you can go get a more experienced guy who's handled situations better, but he stuck with his guns and he hired a guy that he truly believed in. Um, and I just kind of hope that, you know, he can kind of break that mold of, we don't need to keep recycling the same coaches through in the NHL. We can get guys with fresh perspectives who have come from different backgrounds and coached in different leagues. Um, and I think that can kind of help grow the game and build, build, have teams built differently than what you're seeing typically. So I just think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of this. And I also just think it's just awesome for the sport to kind of, you know, have maybe not the premier hockey market, but still a good, amazing foundation and a big city for Denver to win the cup. So, I mean, fuck Stan Kroenke, but like, I'm happy for everybody yeah, else. Terrible guy. <laughs> and he's having an amazing year because he owns the Rams too. So, like, terrible guy. But, I mean, great for those fans. What a, what an amazing fan base they are. Um, the All the small things, like all of a sudden that song is like rising on the charts of like Spotify and Apple Music again because they would play all the small things and the crowd would sing it. Um in between like the puck getting dropped and then they would sing it as play was going on. Like all the small things is popular again because you know, the Colorado avalanche were their fans were singing it. Like it's just, and we'll, we'll touch on this after we bring up the lightning. What an amazing year to grow the league and a great job by TNT, NES, Turner, NESPN, you know, the way they helped grow the game. So, but before we get to that, let's talk about the Tampa Bay lightning. 11 playoff series, one in a row. They hadn't lost a playoff series since they got swept by Columbus. This was a team they were saying they have to break them up. You have, after all that, you got to break them up. It's not going to work, whatever it is. Are you sure Cooper's the coach? Yeah, is he the guy? You know, is Kucherov not as good as we think? Is Vasilevsky not? You know, all that shit. And everybody, including us, were proved to be a bunch of idiots because they win the two cups and they were a couple goals short of, you know, winning a third in a row. Um, this team looked like a team that was out of gas. A team that, you know, they played an unbelievable series against Toronto in the first round. That goes seven. They, I mean, they shit-kicked the the Panthers. That wasn't even close. Um, and then they played, they came from behind, you know, down 2-0 and 2-0 in game three to the Rangers. They come back and they win that series in six. Braden Point turns out he had a torn quad and still tried to play. You know, I'm sure there's going to – Patrick Maroon said it after, I mean, a guy who won three Stanley Cups in a row. Pat Maroon said it. He said, just wait till the injury report comes out and you'll see what these guys are playing through. This just looked like a team that they they simply ran out of gas. They could have packed it in going into game five. They could have said, you know what? You know, we just got our ass, you know, we lose a heartbreaking game in game four. Um, let's just pack it in. You know, we're going back to Colorado. You know, they could have gotten pumped 5-1, six goose, whatever, and they didn't. And that just showed that that's the character of the team. That's the coach. That's the organization. That's the players. That's a champion. They could Any other team would have could have just packed it in, but they didn't. Um, 
Andre Vasilevsky was great again. You know, he struggled a little bit at certain points in the playoffs, but still, that that guy, he's as good of a big game goalie as there is maybe ever. Um, they just, again, it looked like a team that was just running on fumes. And I'm sure more of the injuries will come out. Um, John Cooper, after his little outburst that he had after the goal in Game 4, he... You know, he knew what he was doing. He was playing the refs. He apologized the next day, and then Game Five, they get a too many men on the ice called on Colorado. You knew, you knew he was playing the refs. Um, maybe the best coach in sports. That that is, this is a team that they're they're nowhere near done. I think only I think the only two guys they have to sign if they want to bring back Nick Paul and Andre Palat is the big one. Um, everybody else is like locked up and locked up for a while, so. This team isn't going anywhere. You're going to see them again next year, the year after, and you know probably for the next few years still because they they know how to win. They're well coached. They they defend well. This is a team they're going to be back. This is just I don't know if you want to say a blip in the radar, but this is a team that'll be back. Yeah, I can't even call it a blip in the radar. I mean, when you have an injury report like they did with torn quads and broken hands and fingers and feet, and it's just like. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's just heart of a champion. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like it's because of those commercials, right? Like as cheesy as they are, like because of the cop, like that's just how bad these guys want it. And, you know, you said like really they're only old ish, like core player on their top six is, is probably, you know, Steven Stamkos is going to be 30, 33, I think next year. And little long in the tooth. Yeah. Teeth then, very you know, long. 33. Ryan McDonough's thirty gonna be thirty four, I think, and Hedman's gonna be thirty two. So it's I mean, that's still that's still plenty of tread on the tire for me and the way these guys play. Um, I mean when you have a twenty eight year old guy in the back end who's just gonna be still the backbone of that team, I'm not worried about them losing really any ground. For them it's just win and get in, right? Like who wants to play these guys in the playoffs, whether the, whether they win the president's trophy or whether they're the last team in the East. So it's I, I do think that, you know, if they weren't going to win the cup, it would have been better for them to win or lose earlier just because I think of the rest factor. I do think that's going to be a real thing. Um, you know, with Braden Point, I have no idea if he's going to be ready for the end of next season or what type of surgery that's going to entail trying to surgically repair a quad. But, I mean, they're they're going to be there. And they're, you know, this front office is too good, this coaching staff is too good, and this, and this core leadership is going to be too good for them not to be able to compete. I just think – you know, the way that they're going to kind of attack, maybe they just make some, add a little bit more speed either onto the back end or that bottom six. And I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if they're the ones lifting the trophy next year. Yeah. I, uh, it goes back, you think of the Oilers back in the 80s. They won two, then they didn't win, and then they won two again. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but would you be completely surprised if it no. did? Like, this is, this is a team that. From top to bottom, organization, the coach, the players, you know, the third massage therapist. Like this whole this whole thing is run. It's like a well-oiled machine. And guys are going to continue to want to come here to play and take a little less because they know they're going to have a chance to win. Speaking of that, Corey Perry. I mean, you got to feel for the guy. Thankfully, he got the one. <laughs> with Anaheim, so maybe yeah, I was just gonna say I put him on suicide watch. Yeah. He didn't have that one cup already. Maybe he uh, it takes the sting out a little bit, but you play with Dallas, you lose to Tampa. You play with Montreal, you lose to Tampa. So you lose twice in a row. 
the the ultimate if you can't beat him join him he shows the up Marion Osa trick he yeah. did the same thing. well he well kind of he did he did the smart thing though like he went went to Pittsburgh lost to Detroit went to Detroit lost to Pittsburgh then he just said screw it and he went to Chicago because they offered him the most money wins a cup next year yeah wins a cup the next year I mean <laughs> he he even Marion Hosa must have been like damn. You know, because he goes to Tampa, he says, you know what, let's do it. I'll take, you know, I'll take some, a little bit of less money. I'll play for Tampa on the fourth line. He was a very effective player, by the way. It wasn't just like a going through the motions and he was doing that Corey Perry thing, why everybody hates him. Um, but he loses in the final for the third year in a row. I think that's more impressive than Patrick Maroon winning three in a row. <laughs> I mean that Especially is with three different teams. Yeah, like, that's un. And he was the first guy in Stanley Cup history to score a goal with four different teams in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> I, I saw mean, a bunch of people on Sabres Twitter that were like, "They need to just offer this guy a one-year, ten million dollar deal, so that the Sabres can just guarantee themselves getting into the Stanley Cup finals." Right. At this exactly. Point, like, that'd be like the best thing ever. Exactly. Yeah. And plus, you know, he. I think he deserves to cash out. Yeah. You know what? It, that that's rough. So all the, all that all those games on and he's played a lot of games and all those games three years straight, you know, part of it coming in the bubble. I mean, he's making he's only making a million bucks next year, which just cash uh, out, just like yeah. buy him out, give him the million, and then let him sign for like nine million for a year in like Ottawa and just play out the string. You know, you know, it'd be like you know, Corey, you deserve it. <laughs> That's rough, bro. Like. You might go to the Hall of Fame, you might not. But, like, man, at least cash out one more time. Uh, but, yeah, the the big question for Tampa, I think, entering the offseason is Andre Pilat. This is a guy who is, I feel like he's been on the team for 45 years. He's been there forever. Somehow um, he's only 31 years old. Like, yeah. If you would have told me he's younger than Stamkos, I would have told you that's a lie. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, this guy, it's as solid as it gets, if he's on your second line, you're feeling freaking great because this guy is a top line player on most most other teams. I it depends on what he's worth. I mean, let's look at his career earnings. He's made thirty seven million in his career, a little over thirty seven. I believe his cap hit for this past year is like five point three. Yeah, he from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen, he was making three point three million, which is when he became maybe the biggest steal in hockey. And then Iserman signed him to a five point a five year twenty six million dollar deal in seventeen eighteen. One of the best value contracts in the league because all that guy does is produce. He was on my fantasy team this year. I would know. Um, you you got to think he's going to take less to stay. I mean, you know that's going to happen. But if Ottawa gives him seven by seven or somebody like that, he's I mean, can Yanni Gord recruit him up to Seattle? That'd be nice. Seattle, like, like, the Kraken, after, I'm going to say it, after butchering the expansion draft the way that they did, they, they've, they have a ton of cap space. I mean, you could put him on a line and play him with Matty Beneers. I mean, I can't think of a better guy to put next to him. Yeah, I mean, talk about, I mean, and culture building. Like him, the Mr. Do-Everything, right? Like him and Jaden Schwartz are the, like the Mr. Do-Everything line. So, I don't know. Some I hope somebody does just because, like, I always want to see these guys cash out and, like, Dude, you're a seventh round pick, man. Like you've established yourself as one of the one of the better players in this league. You know, like why not go to a situation? Well, I don't know. Do whatever you want, I guess. If he wants to stay, but like 
go someplace where you can probably be the face of an organization for a year or two and see how much of a different way that is. I mean, it's no offense to Tampa, but like I'm sure he's probably one of the guys on that team that can actually walk around everywhere and not really be recognized by anybody. Sure. And I mean, it's going to be infuriating when he signs that 4x4. Four four. Like, you know it's coming. <laughs> like, everybody just get ready. Like, remember how pissed you were when Sorelli signed for what he did? <laughs> just wait till you see just see what Palat signs for. I mean, you know that four by four's coming and then they'll get Nick Paul on like a like a two two year, like six million dollar deal. Nick Paul, who was excellent when he came over. He's also UFA. He's gonna cash out. Um you know, these guys this it's pretty much gonna be the same team next year. I mean, Jan Ruda is a UFA, and then Riley Nash, Palat, and Nick Paul are UFA. Even Brian Elliott signed for another year. So like it's pretty much going to be the same team. Uh, Brent Seabrook still has two years left on his deal. I think I brought that up last time. Um, shout out that LTIR. Um, God, I need to change that freaking rule. I know. That's so annoying. The circumventing of the cap. They were circumventing and circumventing that <laughs> cap. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's pretty much steady as she goes. I mean, Zach Bogosian is making eight hundred fifty k. It's like a joke. How cheap these guys are signed for. Cal Foote has another year at 850. Eric Chernak is making 2.9 next year. Eric Chernak, what a warrior. I mean, that guy was eating pucks. I mean, this is why it's that buy-in culture. And these guys, you you know Palat's going to re-sign for below market value. You know that's coming. That's just how it is there. I mean, these guys, they know they, they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup if they stay. Plus, Palat's only played in one city, you know, coming from the Czech Republic. I mean, maybe he just likes it there. And he says, you know what, I'll stay if I can. Who does the Tampa Bay? It's really nice. It's hot. Yeah. It's not Ottawa. Yeah. Like, You're right. I mean, he's going to he's gonna sign like a four, like five-year, $4 million deal. That's yeah. That's what I'm five, just assuming. Right? Five, year, five years, $20 million, And everybody's going to be mad about it. Yeah. It's kind of like, I'm not even going to be mad because I know it's coming. I already know. It happened with Sorelli. Happened with Sergachev. Like it's going to continue to happen. It sucks, but it's true. That's why this team is on top for so long. They get these guys buy in and they take less, and you hate them. But that I tweeted this. That hate of the Tampa Bay Lightning coming from a guy who lost to them two years in a row in the conference finals. It's it's the ultimate respect hate. Because they do everything the right way. And they beat you their way. And it's not, you know, they're not finger wagging you. They're not talking shit to you in, in the press, you know. They're not really playing dirty. They're not doing anything like that. They just have the best team, the best goalie, the best coach. And that's why you hate them. is because they're just put together so well. And these guys are so good. And you know they're going to be back. This is just... You know, you can't win every year. But when you talk about this team, it was I said this before on the podcast too. It was like when LeBron was on the Heat or on the Cavs. I thought he was going to win a championship every year until he lost. I was like, oh, they're down 3-0. It doesn't matter. I still think that he's going to find a way to win. And that's how I feel about the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's just how I feel. I could be wrong. You could tell me. No, I mean – Let's be honest. Like you're probably right. I mean, we all thought Kucherov was going to go for like 11 million dollars, and he ends up signing like 8.5 or whatever. Like we thought Stamkos was going to go for like 
remember the Stamkos free agency when we thought either Toronto or or Buffalo, and then he he was going to go to the Islanders. Back, I'll just come back. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, the Islanders are sniffing around. I was like, what? <laughs> and then he didn't even get the free agency. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, never mind. I was like, yeah, great. I remember everybody was like, this is why the league does uh, does free agency talk terribly, because Stamkos already resigned. It's like, why wouldn't they resign? Like, why wouldn't they announce they it? You don't have to go to free agency. That's like an optional thing. Yeah, you don't have to do that. But like, yeah, I mean, Stamkos, he's locked. He's got two more years. That contract's only got two years left. Wow. Um, Sorelli's RF, it's going to get a little expensive for them now, because, you know, after next season, Sorelli and Colton... Sergachev and Chernak and Cal Foot, they're all going to be RFA. You have to think the cap casualty this year is going to be Alex Kalorn. He's got a modified no trade. He was not great in these playoffs. Yeah, not especially not at 32. And I mean, let's be honest, I think the thing that really separated Tampa and Colorado in the finals was that was Colorado's speed. And yep. that's just one thing Kalorn just does not have. No, not anymore. I mean, a great player, you know, a clutch player for them. No goals this playoff and a guy who makes. Four point five million. I mean, he's got a modified no trade, so they're not going to be able to just like ship him off to Arizona and say enjoy Arizona State. But like, you know, he'll have his choice of where he wants to go. I'm sure, um, but I doubt you see him in a Tampa Bay uniform next year. He just, I mean, the four point four five isn't too isn't a lot compared to what some of those guys are making, but it's enough that they have guys they need to resign. So he might be the guy who's out. Um, but other than that, everybody's pretty much back next year. Um, yeah, I mean, they're probably going to win the East again. I'm going to be honest, they're probably going to win the East. Good for them. <laughs> I guess, you know, whatever. Hey, we, both these teams are just truly showed that when you draft well and when you can just find those nice key pieces at the deadline, you know, that's just really how you build yourself a Stanley Cup contender year in and year out. Yep, that's it. I mean, that's exactly how you do it. And... You know, they'll be back. And it's the same guys. I'm so sick of hearing those names. I'm so sick of talking about them. But I respect the hell out of them. And I think that's the, that's the the takeaway for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have a first-round pick this year, so you know that guy's going to score like 60 goals as soon as he comes up. So that's how that's going to work. But, you know, Julian Brisewa, John Cooper, you know, the brain trust of the Tampa Bay Lightning is – is why they're so successful. It starts from the top down. And I can't think of two better guys to have in sports. One is the GM and one is the head coach. And that's that. Um, wanted to bring up uh, the job that I mentioned it earlier, the job that ESPN and Turner did um, their first year covering, not covering, but the first year having hockey on their networks. Um, NBC, I thought, did a fine job. They were They were fine. You know, they they had the games, the game was played, they had the post game, and it was fine. You know, it was a perfectly fine way to watch the game with perfectly bland, like, setup that they had. But then ESPN and Turner get involved. You know, TNT does the pre and post better than anybody with the inside the NBA guys. So they bring in guys like, you know, like Bissonette. They bring in guys from NBC like Liam McHugh. They actually let him, like, enter the conversation. You know, ESPN had Steve Levy, who you know is a big hockey guy, with Messier and Chelios 
who got better as the year went on. TNT also had Gretzky. Ever hear of him? They had him as well. He was great. Rick Tockett was great. I mean, they let these guys just... It, it was just like a bunch of dopes talking about hockey. And you're like, oh yeah, some of these guys are legends of the game and they're on my TV. I think they did a tremendous job. Sean McDonough got better as the playoffs went on. Uh, Ray Ferraro, I think, is one of the best color guys in the sport. Um, yeah. Turner had, and Bob Wischusen, who hadn't called a hockey game in like 17 years. Uh, he's the voice of the Jets on the radio down here. So I know he's a great broadcaster, but not a lot of people do. He was great during the Battle of Alberta. You know, he it was so awesome hearing him. Uh, Kenny Albert and Brendan Burke on Turner, two New York guys for me. I mean, it it doesn't get much better than those two guys. Um, yeah, we just need to fix whatever weird audio stuff was happening when the yeah. games were being played in the Western quarterfinals out west. Like it was just like the weird, like the video was faster than the sound. It was just I don't know. They just need to clean up that one issue. That was my one complaint the whole year. Yeah, and I mean if that's the that's a technical thing. It's not like the people who are calling the games or the, the pre and post. I mean, everything was pretty damn good. So I hats off to them. I think in the year one, it's only going to get better because now they can correct these things that, you know, they can, you know, fine tune, tighten up the screws, whatever cliche you're saying you want to use. They can do that. And I think it was an absolute success for the NHL this year. Ratings were way up. You know, the cap is going up by I think well like a million five or something. Like the cap is going up a little bit. So things are things are starting to you know in in the very much the right direction. Things are looking up for the NHL. Yeah, I think overall great first year for the league. I think as long as they continue to make positive noise in the offseason and continue to drive that interest. I mean we'll see I believe is does ESPN have coverage of the draft next week or maybe TNT does. But um I don't know. That's a great question. I, I don't but know. I was, Let me look. I, I'm really interested to see what the viewership numbers for that look like because, you know, like we said before, like, you know, the NHL draft is a little bit of a mix between baseball and, and football or whatever in terms of some guys are ready right away, some guys aren't, some guys are ready and halfway through the year and such. So I think I'll be really interested to see, like, for the first year, what kind of stuff they do for that. July 7th at 7 p.m. on ESPN, round one of the draft. Rounds two through seven will be shown live on ESPN+, Plus, which I kind of expected. It would be yep. on the streaming service, which I'm good with. Um, ESPN+, Plus was also so, was so smooth to use ESPN+. Oh, I love ESPN+. Year. Plus oh, it was great. It was and now they're expanding. I think, I think they signed a contract with Hockey East next year where they're going to have, I think, two or three games a week for, on Hockey East. So that'll be... That would be something huge. awesome to watch. It's, it's, just, it's, huge, it's huge for the game that it's so easily accessible for people to, if they want to watch hockey, they can find it. Um, I guess the last bit of news we should bring up is the list for the Hockey Hall of Fame came out this week. And is that good or bad? I'm just, go on, you'll understand why. I'm I, I know why. So I'll, I'll read the names off. You have Daniel Alfredson. Henrik and Daniel Sedin, Roberto Luongo, Rika Salinin, and Herb Carnegie, the 2022 class of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Nick, you and I are in agreement for the two guys that I know you're about to say. Alexander Mogilny and Jeremy Roenick. What does it take? What does it take? I mean, I'll start off on McGillney, right? And I mean, just 
statistics aside, right? You people need to understand McGilney's story of being a defector and wanting to come over here and risking his life to go through there. I think TSN did a, a great documentary a few years ago about how the Sabers were able to basically kidnap him and smuggle him out of the country. Pretty much. I mean, that's essentially what they had to do to get him out of the Soviet Union. And without him to that point, it is a very real possibility that we have, don't see players like Malkin, Ovechkin, Panarin, you know, and it, it's just asinine to me that like, again, just that story alone should make him a Hall of Famer. And then you count into the fact that he is one of the best goal scorers of all time. Just pure, awesome skill. Just, I look, I like, I understand Daniel Robertson meant a lot to that Senators organization who's going on a lot of hard times right now. I understand the Sedians are great ambassadors to the game, but you cannot, with a straight face, tell me that Alexander Mogilny does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. 473 goals. 1,032 points in 990 games played. Those are all fame numbers. He deserves to be in. Two-time All-Star. Won the Stanley Cup. This is a guy who deserves to be in. And he didn't He didn't like the media, and a lot of that was to do because they always asked him political questions about Russia, Russia and that English was not his first language, okay? Like, that was the reason he's not into the Hall of Fame. Let's just call a spade a spade. Led the league in 92-93 when he was 23 years old with 76 goals, 127 points. I mean, this is a guy who was a pure, pure goal scorer. And then I'm going to – Jeremy Roenick, um, one of the greatest American-born hockey players of all time. i got to be top five, top ten American hockey players ever. Uh, 1,216 points, 513 goals. There's some controversy with Jeremy Roenick. You know, sometimes his mouth gets him in a little trouble. He bounced around the league at the end of his career. But this is a guy who deserves to be in. A two-time 50-goal scorer. He scored 40 goals, one, two, three, four, four times. This is a guy who deserves to be in. And, and people, we need more people like Jeremy Roenick right now. People who are fun to watch, talk a lot of trash, like... Those are the people you, you turn on the TV to watch. Those are the people that you buy tickets to watch. And it's just like, again, like I don't I don't know if fans should have a say in who gets in the Hall of Fame because there's just too much bias in it. And I think the fans ruined their credibility when they elected John Scott into the, yeah. into the All-Star game. Yeah. All which that, well, I guess you could also yeah. argue like ended up being a great thing for the league anyway. But it's just – it's just everything – to me, just it just doesn't make sense. Like it just doesn't make sense to why these none of these media people have to explain why they're keeping these other why they're keeping these other legends out of the Hall of Fame. It's not like baseball where it's like you know why Clemens isn't in, you know why yep. Bonds isn't in. You don't really have a reason as to why these two guys aren't in, and the the writers will never say why. Um, I don't know if they're protected or they just you know won't say it. But, I mean, these are two guys that 100% should be in, and they're not. But I think I don't think that means they won't get in, but it's long overdue. Um, before we wrap this up, we should probably also bring up that Luke Richardson was hired as the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. Nikki, that's a slam dunk. 
That's Slam the first dunk. thing they've done right in I don't know how many years as a franchise. Yeah. I just if you would have told me back in 2015, 2016 that Luke Richardson wouldn't have a job until 2022, 23 season, I would have told you that he either quit coaching or he had some sort of scandal that had to keep him out of coaching because I'm just absolutely shocked it took him this long. I thought he was going to get hired immediately after what he did with Montreal and helping them beat Vegas in the bubble or uh, in the COVID year. So I just I'm so excited for that guy. I think he's going to resonate so well with those players. I think he's going to do a really good job. Yeah, with and and that is also the clear cut of a rebuild. Um, I think yeah. that all but confirms it. You'll see what we'll see what they do with Alex Debrinkit, with Taves and Kane. I mean, there's some. I mean, a tough year not to have a first round pick because you know you gave Seth Jones. Especially when it would have been like six overall. <laughs> yeah, I think they are. I think it's six or seven. It's it's a high pick. It's one that would really help speed these this up. But you know they decided they wanted to give Seth Jones nine million dollars instead. Um, but anywho, uh, definitely a slam dunk hiring for for the Chicago Blackhawks and Luke Richardson. Um, very interesting. We're gonna have you know we're very interested to see what's going on with the draft next week. We're gonna have our draft preview episode. It's the next favorite episode of the year because he gets to talk a lot. That's going to be his episode next week, uh, Next, probably earlier in the week, because the draft is on Thursday the 7th. Um, is the 7th Thursday? Yeah, because July 4th is Monday, right? Uh, I think. The 7th right? is Thursday, yes. Correct. Okay, so Thursday the 7th. So we'll probably record an episode Tuesday. We'll have it up for you Wednesday. Um, for all you draft buffs out there, this is the episode to listen to. Um, and then free agency is right around the corner. We'll obviously keep you posted on all the big signings. There's some big names that need to get re-signed. A lot of them reside in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. There's three guys that you know you can think of that are looking for some big money. Uh, we'll have you all posted on that. Again, the Twitter and Instagram is at TopHair underscore pod. We're going to keep you posted through that. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We are your top pair. We'll see you next time.